Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Very excited to welcome my upcoming guest, but first I must catch up with producer Tony Thaxton. Now, Tony, normally I would ta- I would I would ask you a question and you would be given permission to speak. However, I have to cut myself off and tell you that while I was listening to the theme song, this like I think a goose flew past my house. The <laughs> biggest bird. I just saw the bot. I just saw feet, bird tail feathers, and like I don't know what part of the bird I would call that below the torso. The uh, the underside. Yeah, the bird's undercarriage. I saw a humongous bird's undercarriage, and then I heard just a honking sound. I am telling you. Remember when I threatened to do a limited series podcast about the history of this house, which no one cares about, <laughs> which is going to rival Serial or whatever the whatever the um. You know, the ver, the, whatever the, the most serial podcast is now, just you guys, just mm-hmm. you wait till you hear the his- history of my Burbank house. Well, <laughs> is it, is that the first you've seen a bird like that at your house? A dinosaur sized bird? Yeah. Now, I think some dinosaurs were actually small that's come out in recent years, but this was like a traditional sized dinosaur. I like, I think a pterodactyl flapped past my house and waved logical, its undercarriage yeah. in my window. This is the first time I've seen that kind of bird. I've seen parrots. Everyone knows about that. Just check in on Nextdoor. (laughs) Anyway, enough about that. I know some real bird heads are going to be writing in saying, I need, they're actually called birders. They're not called bird watchers. They're not called called bird heads. They're called birders. Uh, My brother-in-law is one or was one years ago. Now he has children. So I don't think he has time for that. Um, But we're going to move on. Tony Thaxton, you have a couple relatives who, when we last talked on the last Monday show, now I did last, I did see you on the Thursday show, but we didn't get yes. into this. You have a couple relatives who had or have COVID. How are they doing? They are doing a lot better now. Um, one is pretty much all the way recovered and one is getting very close to being fully recovered. Um, the uh, doing much better, I think, as of like two days ago, uh, she said she was feeling the best she had in, in over a week, but did say that uh, it was really terrible and mm. terrifying. And she was actually had moments of uh, like not being able to catch her breath and was terrified that she just wasn't going to be able to breathe. That is very scary. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, things She's seem breathing. to be... Uh, 
going up now. So now, did either of them receive any treatment? Because I feel like I've heard. I really now I'm speaking out of my ass. Unlike my studied bird thoughts, um, I keep hearing about antiviral treatment now. Yes, uh, I don't. I don't know why I'm like being vague about who it is. I don't think it matters. Uh, but it was my brother-in-law and my sister. Mm-hmm. And my brother-in-law had it first, and uh, he did get some sort of um, antiviral infusion. Um, I don't really know much beyond that, mm-hmm. um, but he did get that. My sister did not get anything. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. I don't know. Now, do you feel like your family members are done getting COVID? Because sure it's really so. worked. It's really wend its way through the Faxton clan. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope so. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't uh, really talked to because you know most of them are in the the Midwest, and I don't know how. S- I know that they're taking it seriously, but I don't know how serious the that area is taking it. Though. Right. I haven't really asked many details on that. Scary. Well, I'm glad yeah. that they are on the mend, and Thank now. You. You didn't know you were going to be quizzed. Ooh, I but did not. Yeah, it's your turn to ask me for an update on the thing that we discussed on the last Monday show. And this is where I see whether you were paying attention. And by the way, I'm getting intense deja vu. Um, but I don't think we've had this conversation before. So that's just uh, a me problem. Okay. Um, you're, you're referring to the slugs in your house? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are... What are, what are I had a humongous important update that you I was I was all ready to share about it but then you had to make it about you and your family and their COVID (laughs) you you asked me about no on the last show (laughs) oh oh, yeah and then I was like well now my stupid update about my stupid situation (laughs) involving my stupid fucking house is gonna sound really unimportant I mean it already sounded unimportant but now it sounds unimportant and insensitive against the backdrop of life and death yeah Mm -hmm. it's not slugs in my bathroom (laughs) Which, thank God, I haven't seen any more of. <laughs> um, I can tell that you're having trouble remembering. I, I yeah, I am. I and then, but as you said, no, I remembered. Okay, yeah, the slugs. Well, that was on with Sarah Watkins. Right, I can't remember. This was the Dan yeah, Jollis episode. Yes. Oh, oh, your uh, dishwasher. That's right. <laughs> yes. We got there. We got there. <laughs> it wasn't worth the time it took to get there, but we did. Well, anyway. <laughs> I am happy to say we have a new dishwasher now. Oh, baby. I go to sleep each. We've had it for two nights now. I mean, I was I when I last talked with you, I was just could not make a decision. But I I was decisive. And I pulled the trigger. And that one was unavailable. And then that happened like four more times. And then finally, I was just like, what do you have? And now we have what they had. And uh, I go to sleep each night thinking, will the dishes be clean in the morning? Will they be dry? And they've been both clean and dry for two nights in a row. So I'm telling you, wow. COVID be damned. All, the... all you need is this dishwater. <laughs> D- dishwater? Dishwater. Not... <laughs> I haven't spoken much today. I... It's, I get that. I used to, uh, if I was answering the, back in the days when one answered a phone, uh, if I was answering the phone for the first time and it could be like afternoon and I hadn't talked to anyone, I would go like, hello, hello. And then hello. So that I didn't, you know, just to practice <laughs> anyway, enough of all this, 
But if you need more of all this, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen, you can see this, and also patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Do you want to play it? Let's play it. Oh, sure. We don't usually on Mondays. I know, but this is a new new era. All right. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Weekly bonus episodes. Zoom party. In fact, right after this, I'm going to record one with my husband, and we're going to answer all your questions. Nothing off limits. You can see videos of the Thursday shows and other perks that I'm forgetting right now, but oh my God. Perks galore. Anyway, Tony, we have a very exciting show ahead of us. Our guest, Stephanie Wilder-Taylor, is someone that my listeners have been how I was going to say hounding me, but that's that has like a pejorative sound. I don't mean that. They have been suggesting and requesting her for a very long time. She is a writer, a TV personality, a podcast host, currently hosts, if I am correct, three podcasts for crying out loud, Bored AF, Rose Pricks. She's also a mother and she's also the author of five books, including Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay. Let's put your hands together for Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Hi, Allison. Hi, Hi Tony. Hello. So, yeah. I was, I was deep into your dishwasher uh, trauma myself listening to that episode. And I had a similar, I had some oven trauma. Oh, no. Because, yes, apparently I have one of the, I had one of the last uh, and have gas ovens. Mm. They're all electric now. So, when our oven stopped ovening, we had to go get one and there was only one, you know, you go to a appliance store and they say, well, you don't have a choice. Here's yes. our one oven. Yes. And, yeah. Were you happy with your one oven? It's fine. Yeah, it ovens. It's funny. I find this to be the case with so many things in life where when you have to make the decision and and yes, it's a privilege to get to spend that much time, you know, going into the minutia of something. But like, I am probably... I probably know more about dishwashers than I know. I'm like on par with a dishwasher salesman in terms of my knowledge of all the different features and things. And I look forward to this just falling out of my head in like two to three weeks because I don't need to know that much minutia. We bought one that has the soft water uh, feature thing. So we can, and I'm like, did we need to do that? I got talked into it. Did, did I get the, the uh, dishwasher equivalent of undercoating for my car? I mean, but a dishwasher is important. Yeah. And I like our dishwasher and it's, we've had it for a long time. But when they, when something happens, you really know something happened because mm-hmm. you can't wash your dishes. Right. And so it's very important. I think you should have a quality dishwasher. So I'm I, glad you put in the time. I think we do. I think we have a quality one. I mean, I walk into the kitchen and I feel better. I... Also now, no. just if things go sideways, you could work at Lowe's. That's right. So there's that. <laughs> I really can. Like ask, I mean, ask me anything. <laughs> Truly. Ask me, a, Tony, play some kind of thing to indicate a quiz happening. Tony Thaxton. Perfect. Perfect. Ask me some kind of dishwasher question. Then we'll get me? into our guest. Uh, what? Uh, wow. I don't even know if I can think of a dishwasher question. Tony, uh, do you have a dishwasher? I don't, unfortunately. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, you're fired. I know. I I deserve to be fired. Yeah, I hate not having one. I've I'm, had I've had them in the past, and I much prefer to have one. But 
Yeah, this place doesn't have one. I'm sorry to be just dangling. Stephanie and I are both sorry to be dangling our appliances in your face. We I'm feel used bad. to it. I feel pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, um, Daniel didn't have a dishwasher when I met him, and he also didn't have a microwave, and he claimed he didn't need either of, of these things, and I don't understand that. I do have a microwave, but... Uh, this no, is really uh, funny. No My husband didn't have a microwave either, and we had to change, and he didn't want one, yeah. and I was like, well, I, I'm not moving into your house without a microwave. That's ridiculous. Right. What is up with people who are convinced that microwaves are, are redundant or unnecessary? <laughs> so necessary. Well... You know, they've never had to make a lean cuisine before. That's right. I mean, a lean cuisine takes like 35 to 45 minutes in the oven, gas or electric. Nope. Some of them nowadays you can't even put in your oven. They're they're microwave only. Okay, Stephanie, would you like to test my dishwasher knowledge? I feel that I have dug a I've I've made a bed for myself that I'm not going to be able to lie in because <laughs> it we're going to find How out do I don't you, know that much. Okay, let's just say your dishwasher it won't like you need to you need to reset it. Okay. Do you know what what buttons what do you push to reset the dishwasher? Uh-oh. I uh, can you just <laughs> unplug it and plug it back in? You can do that. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I'll accept that. Thank you. What were you what were you looking for? What were the judges looking for? I don't know cuz I would have to google it all the time cuz I accidentally lock myself out of my dishwasher mm. and then have to google how to reset it. I do think we do have too many electronics in general in our appliances. Like somehow the alarm on our refrigerator was engaged so that if the door's open for more than 20 seconds, which it always is, it begins dinging and I, I we it took some work to figure out how to turn that off. Okay. Enough of all that. Stephanie Wilder Taylor, three podcasts and five books, right? I yes. It's very prolific. Well, I haven't written a book in a while. I don't, I can't imagine doing that at the same time as having a lot of podcasts. But I like having podcasts better than writing books. You know, I call myself a writer, but when I think about it, it's really kind of been a while since I've written and I definitely don't write every day. And I do get into a, I will, I will find myself feeling sort of pent up. And then if I sit down and write, I feel better. But that's like a quarterly experience. I really don't do it. For, and I've been thinking, maybe I'm not really the writer that I call myself. Uh, personally, I teach writing also three nights a week. And I feel like that's a universal experience. Okay. I don't know who these people are that give the advice of like, writers write. You know, writers write every day. I think that's mm. bullshit. Thank you. I don't. No one I know does. And most writers do not like actually writing. It's not enjoyable. It's, it's fun really to have not. written. Yes, it's exactly. It's not fun to sit in front of your computer and, you know, negative talk yourself to death. <laughs> <laughs> so you teach, right? You're so, are you, are you a workaholic? I don't think, I think I'm a hustler. Okay. More than a workaholic. I think that I feel, was, grew up pretty poor. Mm -hmm. And I think I always feel some sort of a deficit, like that I need to be overcoming. So like... If I have two podcasts, why not have three? Mm -hmm. I can be having three. I have time. And I was teaching one night a week. And then the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, I realized I could do it on Zoom. And then I realized, well, it's so easy. I'm just sitting at my desk. Why not do two nights a week? And then that was going fine. So I was like, let me try three. And then my husband says, like, don't do that to yourself. Don't. That's going to be too stressful. And I go, I got this. <laughs> and then I get really stressed and complain a lot. So do, yeah. So that was going to be my question. Do you have this? 
I mean, I get burnt out. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I can't really complain because I love everything I do. I mean, how can you complain about being a podcaster for a living? I do feel very fortunate, like very, and especially working from home with little kids. It's, um, yeah, I feel, I feel very lucky to be doing it. So three, three podcasts, like I said, for mm-hmm. crying out loud, Rose Pricks, which is a bachelor podcast, right? Yes. And then, which I used to do with my friend Ronnie Karam. Um, and then he was so busy. He does, he has to watch like a million Bravo shows and recap them. So I brought in my friend Angel Lakita Moore, who's black and can also speak to it. It just so happened, just so happened that she's black. No, it also just so Wait, happened that the ha- show did got you not really- know? <laughs> <laughs> she surprised me. <laughs> I was like, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, she, but it was interesting that the show, I don't know if you know, but there was like a lot of like racial controversy this season. I didn't so- watch this past season, but I know a little bit about it. So wait, actually, can you fill me in? Because I saw you were tweeting like the Bachelor's going to end, right? It has to end, right? Well, but so many things were happening. And then so Rachel Lindsay was the first black bachelorette. And then and she was really outspoken about, you know, just trying to make the show bring back equality, not bring back equality. It just introduced a white show mm-hmm. like, you know, equity for different races for diversity on the show. And she wasn't being listened to mm-hmm. very much, really. You know, they they kind of were paying her lip service and then they would still have these contestants come in. And then you'd find out that they have, you know, they've had this history of like racist tweets or, you know, some stuff would come up in their background that was just like, you guys, how come the Redditors can figure this out, mm-hmm. but the producers can't? Right. Um, And then they decided that they were going to have Matt James who hasn't even been a previous contestant. He was a friend of a previous contestant. Mm -hmm. He was going to be the first black bachelor. And it was a big deal. Um, And then one of the contestants on Matt's season, well, the one he ended up picking, it turned out that she had liked some, she had taken some pictures at a plantation at an antebellum party. She had liked some Instagram pictures of her friends posed in front of a Confederate flag. Oh, my God. And and the guy that she's vying for is African-American. Right. So it was not a good look. Mm-hmm. So then what happened is Chris Harrison did an interview with Rachel Lindsay, who Rachel Lindsay, the first Black Bachelorette, does hosts for um, Entertainment Tonight. Mm-hmm. She has a, a feature. And she interviewed Chris Harrison. And then he said some things, some things where he was like, right. He was saying that this girl shouldn't get racist. Right. Like she shouldn't get, we shouldn't just get canceled. Right. Wasn't he saying that? Right. But Rachel wasn't saying to cancel her. Mm -hmm. Rachel was saying, I think we need to hear from her. Yeah. Is what she was saying because it's not a good look. Mm -hmm. And then Chris Harrison said, but is it, is it a bad look? I mean, was it a bad look in 2018? Right. Or is it a bad look in 2021? (laughs) Not that long ago. Exactly. So it was and and he was sort of shouting her down and saying like, yeah. who are you? Who are you to say whether it's a good or bad look? To re- so that's how he got oh himself in trouble. And that's how the whole thing. And meanwhile, I brought Angel in. Mm-hmm. She'd never really watched the show ever right. before. So and I was she happy happened to, go, to be black. <laughs> you didn't know. She but- turned out to be black. <laughs> she surprised me. 
<laughs> I was like, this is convenient because you can weigh in on <laughs> <Right>. this. <laughs> it really worked out for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was good. Because yeah. It, it opened my eyes and it was like very interesting to have her to listen to, to tell me things like from her experience and her experience growing up in the South and her experience with racism. And um, it was super interesting to me and I'm, I'm happy it happened. So that was her first time watching the show? Yes. Wow. Well, starting with The Bachelorette, the season before mm-hmm. Matt, which was with Claire and Tasha. Right. Yeah, her first time. So do you think this might, um, like, is The Bachelor going to rebound from this? I mean, it will, you know. This is America, damn it. You're right. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, listen, the show is a moneymaker. It would have to really be getting no ratings for them to cancel The Bachelor. I think yeah. they'll try. I think they'll try to make it better and they'll try to do what they can to please everybody. But, uh, yeah, for a while though, I was like, this seems touch and go. I don't know how they continue on, mm-hmm. but now I think they will. And then Board AF, which you do mm-hmm. with Cecily Nobler, I was listening to that today. Um, I also listened to, so I'm not caught up on The Bachelor. Um, okay. but I, but with Board AF, I was like, oh, I don't, there doesn't, there's not a, sh- a show that I need to be caught up on to know what they're talking about on this one. So I was listening Correct. to Board AF. Um, I loved it. I love it. Oh, it was you guys you. are so fun to listen to. Um I I also enjoyed the morning show. And uh my husband also tried to tell me tried 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 to um rain on my parade of enjoyment of that show. What is that? I don't know. I don't know. Um he did this also with a show called Homecoming on Amazon. With Julia Roberts, did you watch that? It was based on a I, podcast. I listened to the podcast. I never listened to the. I don't. I don't care for podcasts. I'm just kidding. Okay. I never listened to the podcast. <laughs> um, but I watched the show, and I was very entertained and taken with the show. And then he was just in the corner, like grousing about it. And finally, I was like, "Could you just stop? I don't. I just want to enjoy it. I didn't say it in such a bitchy way. Maybe I did. Was- <laughs> That's what I have to do." It's so hard. And also, like, I used to watch The Real Housewives with my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's a pandemic. We're all home. Yeah. So this this could bring him out to rebut this. But, like, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he won't hear me. But th- he started to have a lot to say about The Housewives. And mm-hmm. it that it makes it a little less fun. Wait, what? I know, I, I know you're, you're, uh, you're being strategic because he might hear you and – and come out, which would be okay. It's okay. But it's fine. like what kinds of things? Because I actually worry that I'm the your husband when it comes to Vanderpump rules. Because first my husband said he would never ever watch it. And then I and I caught this on Instagram. I put it on a story years ago back in 2018 when racism was okay, according to Chris Harrison. Um <laughs> I caught him watching a scene from it and laughing. And then he got really into it. And then he got super into it. He's still super into it, pretty much. But when we watch, he wants to sort of dissect their personality disorders and their characters and all this. And I'm the one over kind of pointing out, but it all, you know, there's producers and, and I, what if I'm taking him out of it like your husband might do with you? Well, I think it comes down to if you're watching it for escape, I think sometimes I just want to watch it. Yeah. 
Like I don't right. want to des- I don't want to have to keep pausing it and go, sure, let's yes. let's talk about wow, that housewife has really had a lot of plastic surgery. I'm like, yeah, obvious that's a given. That's a <laughs> right. given when you well, like who do we we don't need to talk about that. Like I just want to yeah. see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. It's Tony, do you do this? Where you're I know you live alone now, but do you uh turn something on and then pause it every few minutes or seconds to um talk about it <laughs> no i i, I we should be interviewing bentley your dog actually yes no he uh he does he doesn't get talked to about tv shows so much he's just told that he's a nice young man <laughs> where is he right now <laughs> he's sleeping next to me oh okay he went to the dog park so i got him worn out so he wouldn't jump all over me today Nice. Stephanie, Tony has a new pup who is so cute and sp- but very, very attached to him. And frequently while we are, we are recording, Bentley's head will just appear over Tony's shoulder. It's very cute. Aww. Yeah. I love my, I love my dog. So it's crazy. I'm obsessed. Yeah. With my dog. She's, Me too. she's very, she's very Velcro too. Mm-hmm. She doesn't it's care mo- about it- other dogs. She doesn't, you say? No, she only wants to be with like her people. Oh, see, he he likes dogs a lot. Like, he'll play with any dog he sees. And that's, like, the only time I ever hear him bark is if he gets frustrated that the dog is not playing with him. Uh, well, so he's good. ready to play. Yeah, Because then it's it's like having a needy spouse, right? Like, when your dog <laughs> only doesn't care about anybody else and they only want attention from you. And then it just gets to be a lot. Right. <laughs> like, I wish my dog would spread the love and, like, play with another dog. Yeah. Mm. Sounds like you might want to talk to someone about that, Stephanie. This <laughs> podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are feeling depressed or struggling with relationships or having difficulty sleeping or meeting your goals, BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Two of my friends right now, um, they've both been on the podcast and they've both talked about it. It's Allie and Greg. They are both doing BetterHelp, and they are so pleased with their therapist. Now, I know some people right now, especially you might be thinking, well, what if it's not the right match? I, I don't want to, I don't want to start something. I don't want to be committed with better help. If you don't like the first therapist that you're matched with, you can keep changing as many times as you want. It doesn't cost you anything extra. They will get you to the right person. Uh, and our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash best friend. Visit betterhelp. That's betterhelp.com slash best friend and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. I also want to tell you guys about Raycon earbuds. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm always looking at a screen now more than ever. And whether you're an avid news watcher or in serious need of a distraction, unplugging yourself is easier said than done. One of my favorite ways to rest my eyes and still get the content I'm itching for by putting in my Raycon wireless earbuds and listening to something great. Of late, I've been listening to past guests, the Sloppy Boys. Their music is... Stuck in my head. So like whatever a level beyond stuck in your, their music lives in my head mm-hmm. and then I have to listen to it. I, and then it just makes it more entrenched. This is a me problem, but it's, um, but, but I do enjoy it and I do enjoy listening to them via my Raycon wireless earbuds, no dangling wires or stems to get in your way. Raycon come in a 
range of stylish colorways, but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash best friend. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire order. So feel free free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash best friend. Buyraycon.com slash best friend. Okay. And we're back. So Stephanie, I don't know that I know a bit about your life story, but I don't know that much. We obviously don't have time to get into the entirety of your life story, mm-hmm. although I want to, but we have all these questions that listeners sent in too. But tell, I know you grew up in Queens, right? And I, I was born in New York. Okay. I lived in LA, moved around a little bit, was in Spokane, Washington for a little while, then Springfield, Massachusetts for part of high school. And then I came back to LA when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I've been here ever since. Okay. And you, what was your first ambition career-wise? So I really wanted to be a stand-up comic and your, I started your dad stand-up. Was a stand-up? Mm-hmm. My dad was a... He wasn't super famous, but he was he was on Ed Sullivan show and Merv Griffin a million times and he was he was definitely on the rise, mm-hmm. but um it didn't totally happen for him. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of uh his career kind of petered out, but I always thought that was really cool. I loved to laugh. I like to be made to laugh and I always just thought that would be the coolest job ever mm-hmm. and um I really wanted to do it. So it was like my dream, but I was very scared. Mm-hmm. I've never been, and I so I ended up doing stand up comic comedy, but I was never one of those people that could just wing it mm-hmm. ever. Way too anxious, self conscious. I had to. I was a writer. I mean, I wrote my jokes out meticulously, and I, I, my first set, I had three minutes exactly. I timed it a million times. Like you couldn't go off script, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I was like, please don't anybody look at me funny. Or no distractions, because <laughs> I won't know what to do. Um. So, and that's kind of how I was, and I did stand up for a long time. I was pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Waited tables, did stand up. At some point, though, I was like, I don't know what there is. Like, you either have to want to be an actress, Mm -hmm. which I thought I was a horrible actress. And I just didn't – it wasn't my dream. Mm -hmm. Or you have to want to just be on the road. Right. Like, I couldn't think of how I was going to actually – I wish I hadn't, you know, taken 10 years to go – what else am I going to do with this? <laughs> what am I going to do with this? What do I want to be when I grow up? But I realized I liked writing the jokes more than standing on stage and performing them. Mm-hmm. So then I tried, I got a job in television writing on a game show. What was the game show? It was called The Big Date mm-hmm. with Mark Wahlberg, who hosts um, Temptation Island. He's the nicest guy ever. Um, the other Mark Wahlberg. The other Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Um, and it was a super fun show. It was such a, like a working girl moment mm-hmm. because I don't know if you saw the movie working girl, but, um, you know, I'd been slaving away, waiting tables, thinking I was rich if I made like $75 a shift waiting tables and $50 doing some stupid stand up gig. I get this job and they were paying me $850 a week. Oh, nice. And I walked in and they were like, this here's your computer mm-hmm. and i was like 
For me? Like, wait, I, wait. I felt like Melanie Griffith in, uh-huh. uh, in Working Girl where I was like, uh, should I get someone's coffee? No, no, no. You sit down and you write some jokes. And it was like the greatest moment ever. That's great. So you enjoyed that job? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did that for a couple seasons and then the show ended. And then I just started going from show to show to show. I worked on like... Uh, a lot of game shows. I worked on The Dating Game. I worked on Blind Date. Mm-hmm. I worked on um, this show called Russian Roulette. I worked on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh. Which was really fun. I bet, yeah. I, was, I worked on Hollywood Squares. And then during that time, I met my husband. And then once I had a baby, I I was like, oh, my God. I don't I, – I thought I would be one of those moms that's like pops the baby out. And just goes right back to work. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the kind of thing that I thought parenting was. Like you you don't have to change your lifestyle. You know, you just you can go to parties. The baby goes and sleeps in the coat. I room. thought this too, and I I'm like, what made me think that? And I think it was just for me, it was just a refusal logistically to consider what it meant because it was too overwhelming. Maybe what do you think it was for you? I think so too. I don't think I banked on how much anxiety I was going to have yeah. as a new mom. Like how all-consuming keeping a baby alive right. is to your brain. There's there you can't do anything else. <clears throat> no. So I don't know who these carefree people are that are just like I'm just going to go back to like I was like, "But then what do you do with the baby?" <laughs> right. People would be like, "I don't you put him in daycare." What? Yeah. Ba- what daycare? I remember getting to a point when my older one, Albie, was, you know, little and I was bored Mm -hmm. and, you know, going, it's not that fulfilling just going to Target every day. (laughs) Right. I mean, now it is, but (laughs) back then there were more options. Yeah. Life offered more. (laughs) So uh, I remember thinking like, I am going to try to get a job. I was really into it. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to like man up and check out some daycares. And I went and looked at some and I would, each one, I was like, this place smells bad, you know? (laughs) Then I'd go home and cry. Or I was like, I saw a kid wandering around crying and nobody was paying attention to them. I can't leave my baby here. And then uh, finally, I went to this one that was, everybody was like, okay, you need to leave her with at a home daycare Mm. that was like the thing they were trying to sell me on right right like you don't want to go to one of those institutionalized you want to go to somebody's house so i went to this place and um it was russian they were everybody was russian and i i walk into this room apparently i was in the wrong part of the house (laughs) not the daycare part and it was where it was like this huge family and there were all these old men sitting around like smoking like a hookah pipe or something (laughs) And I was like, uh, I had my, I had my, she was 16 months at the time, the baby with me. And they were like, oh, you want to go over Mm. there? So I'm already scared. Yeah. Right. I'm like, are they going to teach her to smoke a pipe? Is that (laughs) right? What's happening here? here? (laughs) So I bring her over to this other area where this woman was and we're on this place, like this place structure while I'm asked the ladies telling me, you know, they were going to have borscht for lunch every day and we're gonna whatever she was saying and then out of the corner of my eye i noticed this kid kick lb in the head oh my god and she starts crying and 
Yeah. The the thing was, I had a job offer at the time, so mm. I was pretty desperate to right. get her in a such a good situation. Kid kicks her in the head. She's crying. I was like, uh, excuse me. That little boy just kicked my baby in the head. And the lady's like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, he was jealous because, you know, the she had her mom here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to be turning down the job offer. but Oh, so you did turn it down. Turned it down. Yeah. Do you regret that? No. God, no. Yeah. Maybe she was <clears throat> a little younger than that at the time. No, because then I, I – I just sort of committed that I'm going to be home for mm-hmm. a year. That's what I decided. And then during that year, because I'm a hustler, I just like made the most of things and sort of changed careers. That's great. What did you change yeah, careers into? Well, I got a book deal. So you wrote a few a, months old. So you wrote a proposal during this time. I did not write a proposal. Okay. So um, <clears throat> here's what happened. I was really good friends with Chelsea Handler at that time. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea had a book deal. And I had read a lot of Chelsea's uh, chapters for her book before it was pitched, and they were so good. Mm-hmm. It was for her first book, My Horizontal Life. Oh, I love that like, book. Yeah. I read – I remember uh, reading the book, like just pages, just from her word program <laughs> at the gym, and I was like, this is so fun and so good. And, um, you know, she's a funny girl. Mm-hmm. So she got a book deal. And then I wrote – I started a blog. I posted the first chapter of the the first blog post and then I sent it to Chelsea and like my sister and my a friend of mine and Chelsea called her agent I didn't know this at the time mm-hmm. sent it to her agent and her agent called me That's so nice. Yeah, and then he said like do you have anything else? And I was like, "Yes," which I did not. Mm-hmm. I had not written a word ever. I had nothing to show him. And he was like, okay, send it to me. And I was like, okay, I have to just get it together. Find it. (laughs) Got to choose which part of this oeuvre to send you. (laughs) Yeah. So I wrote, I sat and I wrote some more sort of essays Mm -hmm. and then I sent it to him and then he got me a book deal. That is amazing. I was under the impression you have to write a proposal. So this is eye-opening, and if anyone out there wants to call their agent and get me a book deal based on just nothing, thank you. But you have a book. I do. That w- it, It's a collection of my columns, though. So, oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's – but I mean, yes, it is a book, and it has original illustrations and all. It's it's fun, and it's good, and, and I changed it a little bit, and I recommend it highly, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. Um, but it's not like – your first book was essays or memoir or memoirish it essays? A, it was essays a bit about having a baby. And basically, even though LB was only a few months old, it was with Simon and Schuster mm-hmm. and it was, you know, a big deal. And he said, can you write a book about babies? About, you know, and I was like, okay. <laughs> he's like, I mean, can you do a, a chapter about potty training? And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you pull it off then? I researched. I was just I, I basically what they what I realized later that they were buying was just the voice, mm-hmm. just the sarcastic, complainy, ranty, you know, oh my god, I can't do this voice. Right. So I wasn't giving it was like an anti advice book. Yeah. Oh. Well. Like for instance, I I was like, okay, I did a cha- a chapter on this. Just you just reminded me. I was talking to somebody else about this. I did a chapter on finding a pediatrician. Uh huh. And so when when you go on the internet and you look up like finding a pediatrician for your new baby, there's a lot of tips like 
interviewing, like oh my look God. up five different doctors, you know, and go talk to them and yeah. ask them what their philosophy is. Who has the time? Like, nobody has the time to do that. And also, who's going to... I think one of my jokes I said was like, most people can't ask for a clean fork in a restaurant. You're not going to be like co- confrontational right. with your pediatrician. What's your philosophy? Have you, are you researched? Have you read the latest? Yeah. So my, my theory was find somebody else who is that type A person who's done that and ask them who they used. That is what I did with finding a preschool. And yes, then right? my type A friend who had done her due diligence at the last minute was like, oh, actually, we're not going to go to this preschool. And I was like, what? But the only reason it's the only one I looked at. <laughs> but, it, but it is still a good school. Um, just as uh, just a PS to all that. I asked my f- so I had different OBs with each kid. We moved, but also I wanted a different experience. Um, and I asked my first OB what her C-section rate is. Cause that was something I was told to find out. Uh-huh. And she got, she told me, but she definitely kind of like bristled and got a little bit defensive. Yeah. Because if you think about it now, it's kind of a weird question because mm-hmm. their C-section rate is probably like, if it's, if you need a C-section, I'm gonna give you a C-section. Right. There's no rate. It's yeah. not like they're not pushing them. Right. Hopefully. No. Well, especially but, now, I think insurance really is not, is, is making it harder to do them. But yeah, I mean, the question suggests, are you doing unnecessary C-section? It was, our, it was my doula action. I didn't use it. I know a lot of people have great experiences with it, with a doula. Um, Again, it's like I have a problem with shopping or I only shop around for dishwashers. We just went with the first doula we met because someone else has used her. Um, I just think it maybe she was delight. She was lovely. It wasn't the right fit, but she recommended asking my OB her C-section rate. So I just think uh, there were okay, a lot of so cooks was, in the pot. Was your doula very earthy crunchy? Um, Not very earthy crunchy, but definitely more earthy crunchy like i'm a very what does science say what does medicine say kind of person and she you know i had to be induced with my first and there's an option of either of two different drugs cytotec or cervidil and these are drugs that will open up your cervix and then once you're at a certain point of being of, of, I forget the word, dilation, then they can start doing the drug that starts the contractions because it won't work before that. So Cervidil like takes a long time and Cytotec is kind of fast. So I was like, well, the idea of the whole induction take, and my induction ended up taking like 41 hours and it was miserable. But I, I'm like, yeah, once I'm there, like, let's just get this show on the road. But my doula was like calling me just putting the fear of God into me about side attacks. Like there's a thing called, and I don't maybe there's a thing called the side attack quilt, which is dedicated to like all the women who have lost their lives from side attack and and just really like scaring the shit out of me. And I was like, this is not helping me in this moment. It's actually because my dad's a doctor. So I already have lots of people telling me, I mean, my dad actually wasn't weighing in on this, but I just, it made the, it made it harder for me. Um, and I, I remember getting to the hospital and being, and actually I speaking of, I called my dad and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, why don't, why don't you ask your OB? 
Like that's who I would trust. But then long, this is a very long story already, but it turned out I was already having contractions. So I couldn't even, like if I wanted Cytotec, I couldn't, it was too late for that. So I had to do the slow one anyway. But, um, but so yeah, she was earthy crunchy to that extent. What was, why did you have one too? I had a postpartum doula because people talked me into it. Yeah. That was going to help me after I brought the baby home from the hospital. And it was a nightmare because she was the most granola. And I had a list of all these foods that I had to buy to eat to help with the breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And I'd had a breast reduction when I was 20. I should have believed that like there's a chance you can breastfeed and there's a chance you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to – your ducts have too much scar tissue, which was the case with me. But this doula was like, she was going to make it happen. Yeah. And it was like she was milking a cow. <laughs> and I would get so tense and scared before she would come over because mm-hmm. she would just be like, get your shirt off. Not that I was wearing a shirt. Right. I'd be sitting around with my nursing bra and she'd be like kneading my breast. Oh, God, get, yes. Trying to get that milk out. So it got to the point where I was like, um, I just breastfed. It was crazy. Like, we just <laughs> breastfed for an hour. We're good. And then I would be sweating it because I would want her to leave so that I could feed my baby, you know? Right. And it, it just became so counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. To relaxation. I know. I think uh, the second time around, I definitely knew more what I wanted to do and how it should be. But the first time around, it's like, how can you not defer to people who seem to know? Exactly. Yes, I was. So I was scared. I was like trying to please this woman who was uh, scaring me. Yeah. Yeah. Second time I didn't do that. Um, I was with twins and it was much better. Oh, you had I think I knew that, but I I had forgotten twins. What was that like? Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. It was like you do not sleep Well, they were in the NICU for a while first. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's really hard. I don't recommend twins to people on purpose. Yeah. For sure. I was with Elliot, my first, I was initially pregnant with twins and I was very frightened. I was Googling like, how do you, how do you carry twin? What was I? We lived up a flight of stairs and I was just like, how am I going to get, if I'm alone, how am I going to get them in the car? <laughs> like, how am I going to get one? To, where am I going to put the other one? I couldn't figure it out. And then, I had a miscarriage between like seven and a half and eight and a half weeks. And I, f- I was sad, but also relieved because I had just, I was like, I was, I just don't know how to do it. So you lost one? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to be a one upper, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you, you managed to hang on to both. Yeah. No, but when I no, but when I was pregnant with twins, I found out later, thank God I found out after the fact that I'd been originally pregnant with triplets. Mm-hmm. How did they know Thank that? Thank God I didn't know. Placenta? I had this, no, I had a CVS test. Oh, yeah. Chronic villous sample Sampling. or whatever. Mm-hmm. At like, I guess I must have been like 11 or 12 weeks. And there there was like a, so I had bled around week seven. Mm. I had, or eight. I bled and I thought I miscarried the pregnancy. I thought I was, I had one baby. Right. According to my gynecologist, not my my OB. Mm-hmm. Then I thought I was having a miscarriage. I went to the hospital. Oh, I was geez. bleeding. They ended up telling me I was having twins. A few weeks later, I go to have the CVS test done. And there's they said, oh, there's a third sac here. Oh, my God. But it's empty. 
of course, I had a heart attack. I was like, a third sex? Stop. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, 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 it's empty. And I was, thank God. I was like, every time I have like a new ultrasound, they find another baby in here. <laughs> I know. Where are they all hiding? <laughs> oh, yeah, my and then goodness. They said, have, did you bleed? And I said, yes. In yeah. fact, I thought I had a miscarriage. And they said, you did. You were, ha- you were pregnant with triplets. Wow. I was so relieved. Yeah. Did you feel guilty about being relieved? No, no. No, because it had to have happened early. It happened early. No, not at all. God, no. I did. I felt like I should just be sad, but I'm not because this feels more like what I can handle. The one. Listen, I was already having twins. Yeah. <laughs> I was already like, where am I going to put all these babies? Right. Like, this is LA. I'm living in a 16 square foot house. Well, it was smaller at the time. Mm-hmm. I, we We added on. And I was like, I, I don't, they're already going to be too many kids in right. the house. So like, no, I was not, but I, I understand if you were pregnant with one, you know, I being think, a little bit like set. Right. No, you shouldn't have felt bad. It's no. different. The multiples to, to, to fewer multiples, it's different than if you lose a whole pregnancy. That I think, sure. I think if I had lost you know, if if I went in pregnant and then was not pregnant, I think I would have just been devastated. But this was of like just course. a just a small gradation. That that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, yeah I already had two. I mean, it, it would be greedy at that point to be upset <laughs> right. about not having three. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yes, I of get course, it. it would be horrendous to like lose your pregnancy. Right. Um, did you always want to be a mom? No. I was very on the fence. Mm-hmm. Just being honest. Yeah. I was this like, is where I we are honest. A, yeah. I was like, I I mean, I didn't I remember telling my therapist, I was like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have I've never been that person. I've never walked into baby gap and been like, look at this little onesie. Like, who cares? <laughs> never. <laughs> never cared. I hated baby showers. I don't really I didn't even like people's babies. <clears throat> I was not mm-hmm. like I was never gonna be that person that was like, Can I hold your baby? I was like, that looks hard. <laughs> so I didn't, but my only thing, but I didn't want to not, I wanted to be a mother though. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be somebody's mother. I thought that was like a cool thing. Mm-hmm. But the baby stuff sounded hard. So I remember saying to my therapist, like, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you're, when you're ready or if you should even do it? Cause I'm still not feeling. And she was like, eh, nobody really knows. You just do it. <laughs> I love when they give you advice. I know that is helpful advice, but my therapist has given me a couple pieces of advice where I'm like, and I'm paying for this. And one of them (laughs) is, um, haters going to hate. Oh, she says that. Yeah. And the other one is, and they're, they're related is don't read the comments. Comments make you crazy. I'm like, I know, but, I mean, I could get this somewhere else, somewhere cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, you know, you and I are in a similar, well, podcasting and maybe having come from where you've come from, let's just say, a different show where it might have been a different audience. Mm, Yes. How have you dealt with like negative feedback? How do you stay? I, I have always found it to be, Honestly, like your therapist would have helped me because I have to be very vigilant about not reading comment sections and not ever Googling myself. I, I don't read Reddit. My heart will say 
horrible things about me. My heart went out to you. You mentioned this on the most recent episode of Rose Pricks, the eyebrows and empaths episode. Um, oh, no, sorry, Bored AF. Excuse oh, me. Okay. I know you're leaving me this look like what? I was. Well, I was like, I don't think we called Rose Pricks that. <laughs> um, Bored AF. That you had uh, had discovered a thread that was very negative about you, and it like messed you up for a few days. How recently was that? Was that a while ago that this happened? It's happened to me a couple of times. Oh, I it's happened to me on a, a couple of times with a couple of different situations. Mm-hmm. One, it happened to me when I got sober and I was accidentally outed by the New York Times. I'm making myself sound way more famous than I am. It wasn't like that. But I had a blog and I talked about on my blog about quitting drinking and the, the, um, mommy blogger for the New York Times. And I can't remember her, her name's Lisa Mm. something called the column was called Mother Load. She wrote about me, about another blogger getting sober. Mm -hmm. I guess I had a book out at the time. So that's why it was relevant to her. Mm And I started getting all these phone calls and all like Dr. Phil, like all these oh, wow. people trying to get me to go on their show and talk about it. Uh-huh. And it was horrible and kind of very overwhelming. I was very newly sober, but like four months into it, the, the New York Times proper asked me if I would do an interview. And I felt like, why not? Right. Like, I just kind of felt like I, I've avoided this. I don't have anything to hide. I think it could help other yeah. women, the, other moms. It, it was about a mommy blogger becoming getting sober? It yes. feels feels innocuous enough. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a. I thought it was actually a great interview. I made a joke at the end because I'm a comedian where I said something like, so I, I, I don't drink or whatever. And then I was like, but Vicodin on the other hand. <laughs> It was a full-on joke. I had yes. been super honest through the whole thing. Uh-huh. Well, it. but that aside, the comments, my husband had to watch the comments. They eventually closed the comment section because of people saying that I should have my kids taken away Because from of the me. Vicodin comment? No, just, in, just because of talking about having- Having had a drinking problem. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, they were like, I mean- you know, saying that this woman hates being a mother and she, if, if she's saying that her kids drove her to drink, like all mm. these things that are not what I said. Yeah. And I remember that was one of the first times that I was stunned mm-hmm. at the vitriol. Um, but then there was an, and then there was another thread that I read one time on Reddit that was so upsetting to me that was like saying terrible things about my family, my kids, like, and then I never read that again. Yeah, and then there was just I had found out, I think this was the most recent thing. I had just found out from some people showing me that on the Adam Carolla page, some people had somebody had started a thread about basically how much they can't stand me. And a lot of people were happy to weigh in on that hey, I found my people. I can't stand Stephanie Welder Taylor either. <laughs> She's horrible. And it was yeah, it was like it's not something that, of course, I would ever seek out. But when right. people are sending you like, hey, you should know mm-hmm. these, all these people are saying this about you. It's like it's it's rough. But I don't think you should know. I don't think you need to know. I don't. I, don't think I, I have need to found know and, and I'll form I'll more fully answer this question. But I have found that exposure to that stuff for me does not 
create a better show. It does not make me more creative. It, if anything, it just gets that those voices in my head. And then I start having like imaginary discussions with them in my head and holding myself back and not being me, which is the reason that I have this career anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. My heart goes out to you a lot. Um, it is infinitely, there's infinitely less of it now for me than there was. Um, I think my first exposure to haters or to, or just to that level of attention was the Adam Carolla show. Before that, I had done some stuff here and there. I was on this show that was on Fox News in the middle of the night called Red Eye frequently. Uh, I, uh-huh. Do you remember Red Eye? Of course, um, yeah. And Greg Gutfeld. Yeah, right? Gutfeld. So I had been on that show a lot. And for the most part, you know, and I, I started getting a following from that and from some other things. But I remember finding out that like, <clears throat> excuse me, the show had received an email, an, um, like a, a hateful email about me or, or maybe a handwritten letter. And I was just like, I, I can read a handwritten I, letter. I, I remember <laughs> walking down to the studio with the producer and someone else. And they mentioned it as like in, as an aside, but I, but I felt like someone had given me bad news. Like, Oh my God, someone out there doesn't like me and they dislike me so much they're going to write to you. But they talked, they treated, I mean, he used to do mailbag, uh, a segment on the show where he would read all the hate mail he got. So like they had a, a better perspective on it. But to me, it was just like, whoa, like we got to slow down and let me absorb that someone hates me. And then on the Adam Carolla show, I remember I, you know, the way I was hired on that show, he he did this big search for news girls and each potential news girl would do one show. And then after that, they called it down to four and we each did a week. Um, but after, you know, I did that one show and then I went to sleep that night and then I woke up and there were tweets already coming, like positive tweets already coming in in the middle of the night because it, it they put it up in the middle of the night. And that was a first for me, just the, just the volume of feedback. And then, you know, there started being negative stuff about me, not from that first appearance. It was all very positive at the beginning, but then it just, um, and I, it, you know, at the beginning, I was consuming a lot of it because it was positive and it really fed my ego. Mm-hmm. But then to start encountering the negative stuff, at a certain point, I decided I have to stop looking at this because it is hurting me too much. At this point, I had no ability to like let to, to let it roll off. And it was just I think I even talked about it on the show one time. Like it was just painful and it just hurt. Um I made a decision early to never read the boards about Alison Rosen as your new best friend because that was just like my performance on the Adam Carolla show was one thing, but my own podcast, it was just too personal and I was too afraid of becoming like paralyzed. If I, if I read really negative thing, and I imagine that might be what it's like the feeling for you of like you're revealing all this personal stuff about your family and then to have people weighing in. So, okay, here's the thing that I've come to that allows me to sort of shrug this off more. We are, we are people in the public eye. We are characters. We, we are entertainment. 
even though we're real people who are, and we're being really honest, which is why it's painful, but it's almost as if we're characters on a TV show. And in the same way that I love to talk about, oh, I feel I don't like this season as much, or I don't this, or I don't like I'm watching The Crown right now. And now it's Olivia Coleman and Helena Bonham Carter. And I just am having so much trouble getting into it. And they could hear me talking about that. And they will because they're listeners. And they might think (laughs) I'm not a fan, but it's more like it's just a topic. It's something to talk about. It's not about them at all. And I think that that when you serve yourself up as someone who talks about your life on a podcast, that is your, your entertainment. And you're just someone that they love to hate or they love to weigh in on this. Like it's not, it's not real hate in the same way that I might talk to you about like this person really, this person I know hurt my feelings. And now I don't know what to do. Like this is just, it's sports. I I agree with you, but the problem is when you sometimes when you hear stuff that's the same, that's just oh I I hate Stephanie and I love Lynette. Oh my god, the show would be so much better if the if Lynette got rid of Stephanie. And then I want to go. Well, I've been doing it for ten years. Yeah, like that's not going to happen, right? You know. But this imagination they have of like, oh my god, if I could just have Lynette alone, yeah, that would be the show I want to hear. Those are the things that like it doesn't help me to hear, right? Because I'm not going to change what I'm doing, right? But it's weird when it's so one-sided, like nobody's going like, God, we hate Lynette. It's always just like, we hate. So I have to, I don't read reviews in case anybody's Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to write a review of her podcast to show her how much I hate her (laughs) Um, since she won't read her tweets and she won't read Reddit. Yeah, I don't read the reviews either. But these are people who are angry that you get to have a voice. So Mm -hmm. fuck them. Why do yeah, why I do mean, you get to have a I mean every person in the public I gets this some degree of this like why do you right. get to have a voice you shouldn't you should be quiet like the rest of us now I understand what you're saying that but it's very one-sided but it's coming from a world that is one-sided Well that's that's what I'm saying that's what makes it like it's it's a weird position because it gives you a big platform mm-hmm. but it also is a difficult it's a little bit like swimming upstream yeah with that some of that crowd totally totally because i'm very much the opposite yes you know well i have wondered because i'm i'm quite liberal and and you are too how mm-hmm. do you survive over in in that world well i really feel i i i know lynette is liberal um, Democrat. I, I don't think people want to face that fact, mm-hmm. a lot of people, but she is. Um, Lynette, wife talk- of Adam Carolla, in case people are like, what are you oh, talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just qu- quick, a quick catch up for, I'm sure everyone knows, but um, I was the news girl on the Adam Carolla show for years. I am not anymore. You co-host a podcast for crying out loud with Lynette Carolla, Adam's wife, and it, and Carolla Digital is your network. Yeah. Is the network. Yes. Yeah. Podcast one. Oh right. Um, yeah. So, so uh, our show, we would never talk about. It, it, it's not like a Lynette doesn't like bring the conservative viewpoint. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just a liberal show. We're just talking about our lives. Right. Basically, we're not talking about politics. I don't want to talk about politics. And the listeners of the show, a lot of them have come from Adam Carolla's audience, and that has been problematic for me because they don't. They really hate the fact that somebody's 
liberal. Mm-hmm. Even though we're not even talking about politics, it's like somehow they can feel it coming through the microphone, <laughs> like my crazy progressive ideas that are just too much. But listen, the show's our own show. It's our own thing. And not that like Teresa I'm was a liberal progressive person too. She is. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. so it's it's not like it was ever anything else. It's not like we it was any kind of false advertising. Right. So I try to just go listen. It's not for everybody. And you have listeners and you guys do well. So I think that yes. there are people who I think that people want to be aggrieved and want to leave comments, but I don't think it actually affects their, it probably doesn't affect their listening. It just affects their shitty comment. Exactly. And also you begin to realize a lot of, I'm sure the stuff they, the stuff they say about you is the stuff they say about me is the stuff they say about, said about Teresa is the stuff they say about Gina. Like it becomes pretty formulaic. Yes. So. It's not creative. <laughs> it's These not. People need to take some kind of like comment class. Yeah. You know, just to get some like inspo. Yeah. For writing like better insults. Hate inspo. That's right. <laughs> um, gosh, gosh, so much to get to. Let's do. Do you have a just me or everyone? Uh, well, I, I have a just me, probably not everyone. Okay. And I thought of it because of why you might not have been able to record. Oh, good. Okay. Hang on one second. Today. Hang on one okay. second because we got to hear something first. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. So in this segment, people write in with things they think or do. And we wonder, is it just me or everyone? You can send yours. You can tweet yours to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Alison Rosen is your best friend. A-R-I-Y-N-B-F on Twitter. I'm not sure if we're going to get into listener ones. We might just hear Stephanie's and then move on because I have so many listener questions for Stephanie. But normally oh, okay. we do take listener ones. Okay. Yes. What is yours? I'll just make mine really oh, fast. You don't have to. Mine? You can take all day. Well, I love jury duty i is it just me or do other people look forward to getting a jury summons i oh my god i served on a jury one time it was the most thrilling week of my life and i live for those jury summons and then i get so excited like please call me in and they never do anymore i only got called in the one time it's like it's like winning the lottery to me what kind of trial was it it was a felony threats trial the guy was a drunk driving and bashed into some cars and then threatened to kill everybody with a gun. Oh my God. I know. Super excited. <laughs> that is uh wow. Yeah. I, I am mixed. Part of me is relieved to not be called in. The other part of me, when I got my summons this week, so this past week I had jury duty, but I was never called in. Um, when I got my jury summoned, I was kind of like, I sort of hope I do get called in. I've never been on an actual jury. I've always been dismissed. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed. So I don't think it's just you. And then I actually Googled, can you volunteer for jury duty? (laughs) (laughs) I have to tell you guys though, I I hope I took a screen grab of this because when I went today to see, I checked my thing. I, I actually, you know what? It might be a, it might be criminal to admit this, but I forgot to check last night, and I was like, "Oh no, um, am I going to be rescheduled?" But then I checked it today, and uh, it's not here. But but there, I found this thing that was like, um, 
what it said is like, thank you for completing your jury service, blah, blah, blah. We look forward to, we look forward to see, we look forward to seeing you next time you are summoned. I'm messing it up. It was something very funny. It was almost like as a jail, like if you were a jail saying like, um, you know, we look forward to seeing you next time you are arrested. <laughs> like it was so, <laughs> so pleasant and homey. And it's like, you know, I, we have no choice in this, right? Anyway, Tony, where do you fall in this? Well, I've never actually gotten called for it either. I've, you know, obviously gotten the, the summons or whatever to report, but uh, yeah, I've never gotten called in. Uh, but I can tell you that my, my gut feeling is I don't really want to do it. If I'm being honest, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It feels like a weird pressure that I don't think I would like. Tony, you know it's your civic duty, right? I know, I know. And you can but make I, I just mean friends. Like this, uh, I mean, that's. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's not the reason I'm saying I don't want. I don't know. I just. Uh, uh, much like Allison talking about her dishwasher, I struggle with decisions a lot too, and I feel like uh, you know I could I could see myself really like. Oh, I see what you mean when when it yeah. comes down to like deciding on the fate of this person, you wouldn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I found I found the thing. It said, "It ends with please visit us again when summoned in the future." <laughs> Isn't that like like please give us five stars on Yelp? Mm-hmm. Actually, they do ask me to fill out a survey, letting them know how my experience was. But please visit us again when someone in the future. Like, okay. How was your experience not doing jury right. duty? It was pretty easy, I have to say. Um, all right. That was a good just me or everyone. It's definitely not just you. My husband served on a jury, and he speaks of the experience fondly. It was like a real 12 well, angry you- men. For him. Yeah, you mostly hear about people trying to get out of it. Yeah. So I figured like we're trying to get into tr- it. Tr- so hard. Okay. Let's take some questions from our fans. Now, normally I just get a smattering. This time I got a deluge. Um wow. I take the question. I take, yeah, the questions on uh Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. A lot of people have questions for you. Let's do it. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans All right, what were you saying, Stephanie? I was going to say, what if this was a trick and you were just like going to read me all sorts of negative comments? (laughs) And then I'm like, is there a question? Here's the first one. (laughs) Okay. How long is she going to be on that show? Because it would be good without her. Um, Okay. Megan Parkansky says, I saw her mm-hmm. commenting in a vaccine hunters Facebook group. Has she successfully tracked down a vaccine and how? That's so funny. Yes, I got my first vaccine and I did it at this place called Kedron Health. That's where I got mine. Is, you did? Yeah. I stood in line. I got mine. I got uh, my husband got his and my and my daughter Elby got hers. Great. Congrats. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's where I got mine. That's where Greg Fitzsimmons got his. Um, yeah, I got really obsessed, joined, put, I put something on Facebook about how, how am I going to get a vaccine? All these other people have a vaccine. And then of course, a bunch of people were like, just lie, but I did not want to do that. And then I, somebody told me about the vaccine hunters Facebook group and I joined that. And then I heard about Kedron and then I said, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my next 
I think my next one's still like three weeks away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ke- so, Kedron, are you, have you had two? I've had both. I'm at full oh, okay. immunity. Okay. Audrey Seabrace says, you should ask her about the time she needed a car and was determined to win one on a game show. And she did. Audrey's my friend. That's I didn't know she uh, was. A, she a is. She loves you. Show. Yeah. Oh, um, she is a very talented writer, by the way. Aww. I really I really love her writing. Um, uh, yeah, I want to I Hollywood Squares. I wrote on Hollywood Squares when I was um, in my 20s before I had kids. And then um, before that, though, prior to that, I must have been 21. I went on the show as a contestant and won a Buick Skyhawk. And a trip to Jamaica and a thousand dollars. How how was the car? How was the trip? It was. I went on the trip. Okay. Well, the car. I I my car was one that I'd driven from Springfield, Massachusetts to L.A. It was rusted straight through the bottom the on the floor, mm. so you could stop the car <laughs> like Flintstone style. The car, Fred Flintstone yeah. style. Yes. <laughs> Um, this car was so bad in such bad shape. It had like you know one hundred and fifteen thousand miles on it. I left the car uh, and it had a lot of parking tickets attached to it. Mm. So I left the car like on the side of the road. I was very irresponsible um, early 20s person and let the car just get towed away. (laughs) And then the new car, uh, you get a base, the basic model. Mm -hmm. It didn't have, it had AM radio, no AC. And I could not afford, Mm -hmm. it was going to be like a couple thousand dollars to get to step up to AC and FM radio with a cassette. So I did not. Uh I drove that car for like eight years with no AC in LA. Wow. And only AM radio. That's, that's amazing. (laughs) Maureen Bozduman. I am so excited for this. Is she still into quote unquote exotic saltwater taffy flavors? Oh my god, we must have a lot of. I think we do. Audience. Yeah. So I ha- have gotten myself off of sugar. I was really bad for a while early pandemic. I was eating sugar like it was my job. <laughs> just and I was very into taffy and looking it up, ordering it from like a taffy place. <laughs> I would just get a thing in my head that like I need butterscotch toffee. I need the and butterscotch and toffee taffy. Sick. Yeah, butterscotch, taffy, banana, chocolate banana. Gosh. I wanted a green, you know, mm-hmm. green apple, jalapeno, whatever. I was, I wanted a whole assortment. Um, and I ate myself sick. Mm. And now I'm trying not to eat any sugar. <sighs> I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I don't okay. like saltwater taffy. I mean, if it's like, dun, 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 Tony, can you play it? Don't just play your name. Don't you do it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, like, if, I guess if I were dying and all that was uh, dying of hunger and all that was available was saltwater taffy. No, I mean, even before that, maybe it's just late at night and there's nothing else in the house, but I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. Am I alone? Does everyone that's else a, love ta- saltwater taffy? That's a good taffy? am I alone? Yeah. It's it, just me. Right. Tony? I'm, very in- I- I'm very indifferent. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I had taffy, and probably not even that many times in my life. I could probably go the rest of my life and never have it and hmm. not think twice about it. But also, I'm I'm not against it, but yeah, I don't seek it out. I don't mean to shit on your snack. 
<laughs> Me, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm quite confident in my <laughs> so do you, candy taste. Is saltwater taffy something that you're like super into, or it was just a phase? It was kind of a phase, but I feel like if I started eat, yeah, I think I I'm done with that phase. Okay, in that time of my life, in general, do you veer toward like a nougaty consistency, a fruit flavored situation? I do, I do like a chewy. Not normally fruit. I don't like my healthy foods and sugary foods to mix. Okay. So I don't need any kind of fruit in my, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It should just be dessert yeah. or you should be eating fruit. Are you? Um, so, so I like chocolate. Yeah. I like, like a seized uh, candy, like candy truffle. Sure. Absolutely. I like candy. Like I like, I eat candy like a little kid. Like I want, give me lemon heads <laughs> or Mike and Ike's or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Not enough. Fun dip. Fun dip. What about – how do you wow. feel about like good and plenties or good and fruities? Yes. Yeah. Both. Bring it. All right. Um, Amy Freehill. I'm dying with excitement. Ask her to tell you what a no-getter is. I think you'll relate. So this is something that came up came up on for crying out loud. We were just lamenting about the go-getters that we know things that seem really hard and Lynette at one point said I just I'm a no-getter and we've I thought that was so funny she said it by accident (laughs) and that just stuck I was like that's what we are we're we're the opposite of go-getters any way that we can cut corners we're in anything that sounds too hard we're not DIY people we don't want to do crafts yes anything that seems hard we want to take the easy way I don't know how I feel about this person writing in and saying, I think you'll relate to me, except the (laughs) truth is (laughs) I totally relate everything, anything that like, what was it? Oh, I was, I was resting on my bed yesterday under a heat pad because I'm a 95 year old woman and I had a scented candle burning in my bathroom and it just was getting way too strong. It was giving me a headache, but I just couldn't summon the energy to go blow it. I'm like, I could sit here with this headache, hating the scent of everything. Or I could get up and blow it out. I'm not going to be doing that. Classic no-getter yeah, move. I'm a real... Have you... But at one point, you were a go-getter, right? I don't think so. I mean, I'm 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 like a go-getter globally. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But locally, no. Yes. Like anything that's in front of me that just seems hard or technical. Yeah. I don't want to read a lot of instructions. Yes. Here's the classic. I don't want to have to move my body. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. I'm like, if there's instructions that I need a DVD, like that I need to watch a, mm. a video on how to do something, I would just rather not do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm glad there's a name for us. Um, oh, Allison Rosen has a question. I know her. Love her. Um, are you still friends with Chelsea Handler? No, not at all. And, and that's that was – she kind of blew me off after I had a baby. Well, we both had a book coming out at the same time. And then one day, I just never heard from her again. That's it? And it was – yeah, yeah. How – We were really good friends. Like, like she was one of the people that threw my baby shower. And then you never heard from her. Uh, she no, she kind of blew me off. Nothing happened. We didn't get into a fight. Uh, I think she just like moved on mm. in her life and just, uh, yeah, that's too bad. I know. Was, I miss her. What time of life was this for her? Was this before her show? 
Uh, she was she was doing girls behaving badly. Okay, when we were really good friends. But then, and she had just started a talk the talk show, mm-hmm. and then the talk show moved over to the new way it's a talk show. Mm-hmm. So I think Greg Fitzsimmons worked on the first version of it, and then that didn't go. And then she had a second version of her show, Chelsea Lately. Yeah, that had just started, and then our friendship stopped. Right. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've interviewed a lot of people who were once close to her or who are still close more more more, more who were. And I've heard very like some people have nothing negative to say and then some people have a lot of negative things. She's polarizing personally, I guess, is what I mean. She to say. never did anything to me except for completely stop being my friend. Before that, she was a very generous, mm-hmm. like sweet, fun person. So how do you feel towards her now? I mean, I think it sucks that she like sort of ghosted me, but yeah. you know, did, I mean, it is what it did is. Did you try to reach out? I did. Yeah, I tried a few times and she, I just got no response. So then I was like, all right. Yeah. I haven't tried lately. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, late. <laughs> I know. I heard it. I heard it happen. <laughs> um, Tammy H says, how is Xander doing? How are the rest of the kids doing? Um, Xander's doing fine. Um, and all my kids are doing fine. They're struggling a bit. It's a pandemic. Um, you know, all my kids have very different personalities and it's hard. They get lonely. You know, they're at an age, they're at such a formative age. Mm -hmm. They need friends. They need to be around other kids. And it's been a long year for them. But truthfully, especially with Sadie and Xander, Um, It's middle school years. And if you're going to miss any year, if you're going to stay home, I say seventh grade is like the year to miss. I have recently been talking about how everything was fine and then seventh grade happened. And it like those seventh grade girls are such bitches everywhere across the board. Yeah. Worst time of my life. It's true. Yes. Same. I mean, socially, the worst time of my life. Yeah. Right. Me too. I had no friends. I was bullied. I was the outcast. Seventh and eighth grade. Me too. Outcast. Did you see the movie Welcome to the Dollhouse? No, I probably should. About Don Don Wiener Dog. Oh yeah. Tony, have you ever seen this yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. Uh that was my le- that was me. I totally Oof. related to that movie. I had a little chip on my shoulder. I was mad at everybody. Same, was same, mean to me. Same. Yeah. But I had been fine prior to everyone going insane in seventh grade. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So you're Lovely right. Lovely time in elementary school Good. through sixth grade. Good time to and stay then home. Seventh and eighth. Yeah. Yes. And then your older daughter. What she's in the tenth grade. Okay. Yeah, it's been hard. So are, it's been hard for her. Are they all still home, or is there like hybrid school now? No, they're all still home. In May, my little ones, well, thirteen, <laughs> they're going to go back to a, a hybrid situation, but it's only once a week. Oh, so how bad could that be? Right. And LB is not going to go back, even though they are going to offer a hybrid. Because listen, how stupid this is. They want to have. All the high school, these high school kids go sit in an advisory class and Zoom their own classes while the teacher in the advisory classes Zooms with all their classes. Wait, what? So everybody sits in a room, wears noise-canceling headphones, and individually does their school day from a desk in the school. Like telemarketing. Yes, who needs that? I don't understand. Isn't the point of – what's the point of that? No point. That feels like a half measure. I think it's that the schools start making money again because there's they're having people, people in there. their school. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. 
That's so weird. The whole point of going back would be to do in-person learning. Right. So we opted out of that. Yeah. For her. So she's going to finish online and hopefully the fall will be normal again. Is that what all of you're uh, you're in L.A. County? L.A. USD. Is that what all of L.A. USD is doing? Do you know? I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I have littles, I don't, I'm not up on all of that. That seems so yeah. silly. Okay. Amy Freehill, Freehill says, when she had talked about her relationship or non-relationship with her mom, I'm sad but oddly inspired. My husband's parents are very toxic. Any advice on distancing people like that from your life? Well, uh, I, yeah, I haven't t- spoken to my mother or stepfather in, since Elby was two mm. and she's 16, so in 14 years. And it's such a personal decision. I think you have to really decide like how much you can tolerate. And when you reach a certain point and you just go, is my life going to be better with, uh, with no relationship? You know, I, for me, the pulling away was kind of slow it I started with like she wasn't speaking to me for a while and then I worked my way back in and kind of tolerated it for another like nine months. And then I just said, this is too much. I w- it's better to not have any relationship. And it's been better for me because no drama. Yeah. So she wasn't talking to you. Why? Oh, my gosh. It is such a long story. But – um you know, some people are not good at having relationships where they have to ever own their part mm-hmm. or say they're sorry, or it has to be their way or the highway. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And so you have to decide how much of that is okay. Right. And for me, once I had a kid, I started seeing that in a different way. Like I was willing to tolerate less mm-hmm. of that. It's interesting. Yeah. I think I became that way as well. It's you, you put, you tolerate so much as a kid because you're like, well, this is all I have. Mm-hmm. This is, this is all I get. Right. You're going to take crumbs because right. it's something. Right. But then when you're a parent and you, you're like, but I don't need, I don't have to have a mother and stepfather in my life. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Like it's not adding anything. And if it starts really taking away from your well being, then you just have to decide, like, do I have to feel guilty? Like I owe. You know, when people say, well, that's your mother, I say, well, I'm a mother too. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. I would never treat you your know, own child that way. I don't know. You, yeah. you make your own family. Right. Agreed. So I say, just decide, is your life going to be better? And don't feel guilty. Um, BS in education podcast says, oh my God, two of my favorite ladies together on the same podcast. Stephanie, any plans for another book? No. <laughs> Writing books is so hard. I don't want to. I told you I'd much rather do podcasts. Yeah. I can get everything out that I want to say, and it's immediate. You write a book, it takes like 18 months for the book to come out after you've written it. Half the time, I don't even feel the same way mm-hmm. about any of those things. Like I'm like, what was I writing about? That was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> things are totally different. Um, so I don't know. Between the three podcasts and all the Patreon stuff, how many episodes are you doing a week? So I do a regular episode of Board AF with Cecil. I just did one this morning um, and a Patreon mm-hmm. every week. Rose Pricks, regular episode and a Patreon. And for crying out loud, two regular episodes and a Patreon. And do you, you record those 
seven a week. That's so many. Do you Mondays? I yeah. Mondays we do three up. We do two episodes of For Crying Out Loud and our bonus. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I'm watching The Bachelor, I I watch it at night and then I record the next morning mm-hmm. and then we do our bonus either then or sometime during the week. And then board AF, I re- usually record on Friday, both episodes. Got it. What about you? I do um, my this this show, so the one that airs Monday. Right. Um, usually do that one on Friday, and then my Thursday show, which is the group show, I usually do that one on Monday. And then my bonus, like I'm going to do my Patreon bonus after this, and then we right. do Childish every other. It comes out every other Wednesday probably maybe go back to weekly i don't know um but yeah why are you doing it every other week because at the beginning it was just i didn't we didn't have childcare we still do we we might be having childcare again but we didn't have childcare for a really long time and it was just so overwhelming and we were like let's just pair things let's just simplify things a little bit um because we used to in person we would record every two weeks and just do two episodes at a time. Um, right. So then we weren't doing that. We were doing it on zoom and I don't know. So yeah. So I, that's, you're doing a ton of recording and teaching your class. My God. And you do a bonus on childish. We don't No, We don't have oh, a childish Patreon. Okay. okay. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. And are your bonus episodes, this, are they like, how are they like a full episode? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Usually like 20 minutes. Okay. 15, 20 minutes at the most. Well, that seems super manageable. It is. It's not bad. I've gotten really used to it. I've gotten used to the schedule. Mm-hmm. I like it. And they're all, all my podcasts are so different. Yeah. Like Rose Pricks, I'm recapping a show. And currently we're recapping um, Dating Around, that Netflix show, which is really fun. And it's only a half hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our bonuses are we're doing Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Oh, wow. How fun. So I don't have to pull from my life for that. Board AF, we're talking about a lot of stuff we've watched, what we're watching on TV, or just funny stories from our lives as comedians mm-hmm. in our 20s. Um, so that's just really fun. It doesn't feel like pressure. The only one that's hard sometimes is for crying out loud because, you know, my life is just kind of boring. So <laughs> when the we pandemic, to too. With- yes. yes. It can be tough. Um all right. Lee Bruns, does she still do the podcast with Lynette Carolla? You do? Yes. Um, and Maria Carrington, I am so excited by this. I doubt she will want to discuss given she works with Lynette, but I'd love to hear the two of you talk about Adam. <laughs> um, well, what what is there to say, really? Um a we- so I can reveal a weird thing. I've sh- I've talked about this before, though. But every now and then I have dreams. I have not talked to him since the uh, since he fired me. And every now and again, I'll ha- I'll dream about him. And he- in the dreams, there's always this sense of affection. Like it's usually there's a a show and for some reason I've been called in to be on the show, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable, like not knowing if I'm welcome or not. But then like I actually am like super welcome. Like they're so they're so happy to have me in this moment that they need me. And then it's like there is this love lost between us. And I don't mean 
I don't mean romantic love, obviously, but like there's this affection and this recognition of each other. But it's so, and then I wake up and I'm like, that's definitely not reality. It's so weird. My dream, what the actual, what actually happened has not yet crossed over into my dreams, really. I think I've had one dream where there was something acrimonious between us. It's very weird. I don't know. I don't know what he represents to me in my mind. Well, it's a, was probably a really hard thing that you work with somebody for four years. You did that show for four years, yeah, right? Four years. And then you're just all of a sudden not doing and it com- anymore. And completely blindsided by it. That's the thing is that I just, I felt like we're in a good rhythm. I'm broken in. I'm very good at what I do on the show. Now, I, because of uh, aforementioned haters. I know there's, you know, pe- not everyone feels that way. But I thought that I was like doing a kick-ass job on the show. And and also I'm doing my show on his network and it's making money and it's making him money. So he'd have to be crazy to fire. I mean, I just, it just, arguably I had become too comfortable. I don't know. Like I just, the last, it just was so, I just couldn't even, I it, I never imagined that would happen. So then when I got that email, I was like, "What?" It was so surprising. And did you write back? Nope. I never wrote back. And sometimes I wonder in in a in a way that it amuses me. Like what if I had just shown up for work after the break, <laughs> like pretended I never got the email? What would have happened? How awkward that would have been. No, I don't know if I should have emailed back. I mean, I considered it, but I just, I don't know. Email back now. It's one of, what? What? Email back back now. (laughs) She says, sorry, just now seeing this. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so funny. Oh my God. I should do that. (laughs) Oh shoot. This has been in my drafts folder. (laughs) I meant to send this. But things worked out for you, I, yeah. I would say, for the better. I think so. Because I don't know if you were, your show would be this big, right? And it's your own thing. Yeah. And you're not a sidekick. It's your show. No, I, I don't – I'm not sad about not being there anymore. I didn't appreciate the way it all happened, and it was it was not great at the time. Um, right. But – well, let me ask yeah. you this, Allison. Okay. When you see certain things like tweets or whatever, are, do you think to yourself like, oh, it's that would have been an interesting challenge to offer a different viewpoint if I was still there? No, I think, think thank like, God I'm not best there. best that I'm not thank there. Thank God I'm yeah. not there. Thank God. That's what I think. <laughs> thank God I'm not there because I couldn't sit there and keep my mouth shut and I would, I would, it would become really unpleasant That's the thing is that he does, he says he wants people to disagree with him, but he doesn't. Anytime someone disagrees with him, like it becomes very uncomfortable very fast. And it's not in a funny debating way. It's in a like, oh shit, he's taking this personally, like, oh fuck, he's angry way. And to not have to be there when Trump was president was probably good for me. And all the COVID stuff. Like I, you know, I, you know, occasionally I will I will feel sort of nostalgic and I'll think like, but we had, you know, I really enjoyed being silly on the show with him because he can be very absurd and very silly. And that was like my favorite right. version of him, really just fast and funny and silly. And um, I miss that. 
But then I'll look at some of these tweets and I'm like, I don't even know if that guy's there anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing about how people change. You know, my husband and I both were super big fans uh, of the man show. Yeah. And I mean, personally, we were like, that guy, Adam's the talent between the two of them. You know, it's just funny. It how, is. I remember like, thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he's so witty and funny mm-hmm. and edgy. He's got that fun edge. Right. Um, yeah. It's weird when somebody – it's hard to know, like, when people – tweet things if it's just the thing that i have trouble with is the whole anti cancel culture how everything's become like oh you can't make jokes anymore and i feel like that's just a lack of progression mm-hmm. as a society and i don't have that pull to like i would like to still be ignorant <laughs> i would like to stand up for racism yeah. like why can't we say these things well to me there's a reason we don't speak that like we don't use certain words anymore um because they're hurtful to people mm-hmm. and you know i just think that it's a problem when people refuse to progress mm-hmm. and then it makes you sound bitter and angry right it's not and someone you react to everything and it's yeah. it's not my kind of humor right at that point right so and i don't know how you can answer this uh sorry let me rephrase that i don't know if you can answer this Okay. So you can bow out if you need to. Um, okay. You said that Lynette is a Democrat. How does she handle it? Um, I think that they don't see eye to eye on certain things, and that's just how it is. You know, I don't think she pretends to feel a different way than she does. I think they just don't talk about that kind of stuff. Mm. That must be frustrating. I I couldn't handle that. I don't, I mean, my husband is a raging, raging Democrat. I mean, you know, liberal, he just gets so fired up about politics and um, thank God. Yeah. That's how I see it. Uh, and lastly, Sarah Park says, I would love to hear an Allison Stephanie Tony discussion about Yacht Rock. And then I, I was looking at your uh, Instagram and you have some Yacht Rock posts I don't know what's going on. Fill me in. Um, oh, I love Yacht Rock. Is it, should, that, should that have been a just me or one? Because I love Yacht Rock completely unironically. Okay. I proudly love Kenny Loggins. I went to go see Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald, and um, Christopher Cross sailing and i was screaming <laughs> and swooning and i just love i love it i love my yacht rock station i was super excited when that um station came out on sirius i what is even um, what and the 70s what class of what is yacht what what makes for yacht rock yacht rock is like soft hits of the 70s and 80s <laughs> okay <laughs> I know what you mean. So yeah, like okay. she said, sailing Christopher Cross, like just right. anything that sounds vaguely like that. Got it. Yeah, a lot of Toto. Got it. You know, Steely Dan. I'm yeah. not a big Steely Dan person, but like anything by Michael McDonald. Yes, please. <laughs> so, Tony, are you a yacht rock guy? I'm not opposed to it necessarily, <laughs> but I don't. I don't. Uh, every now and then, maybe a song might sneak through for me, but I don't. I don't seek it out. Um, but uh, I can. I have some appreciation for some here and there, like Hall and Oates. Okay. Yes, like of course. Seen them in concert. I would go. I would. 
I would risk COVID. Well, I'm 80% safe from COVID, but I would risk that other 20%. not being at the 90% yeah. to go see Hollow Notes in concert. Yes. Sarah Smile, great song. But I'll take also the 80s uh, hits too. Yeah, I was going to say that you you would consider them Yacht Rock. I feel like, I don't, I, I'm not Very saying you're wrong. So. I just, uh, I never thought of them that way. You know that song, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Is that Yacht Rock? Yes, Rockwell. Rockwell. No. That's not really, no. That's Yacht Rockwell. No. <laughs> that's just an 80s. That's just an 80s song. Okay. Yeah, I love I love 80s music too. That that I always feel like someone's watching me. For me was high school. Like big song for me yeah. in high school. I mean, I like a lot of different types of music, but I love I don't know, it maybe it's nostalgia or I don't know, but I love it. I went to go see this band called Yachtly Crew. <laughs> at uh, the Canyon Club in this is Los Angeles, and it was the, oh. one of the best shows. It was so fun. They wear um, they dress like kind of Captain and Tennille. They all wear captain's hats, and they um, do like choreographed dances. And they're it's really fun, and they do all those songs. Um, Canyon Club. I think we did an Anna Corolla show there. Is that in Agora Hills or something? Or yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah. I've yes, been there. Yeah. Nice, Tony. So Tony is a professional, big time drummer. He has a gold record, and we like to give him a lot what? of shit and that it's fake, but it's actually real. He's in a band called Motion City Soundtrack. Your children have probably heard of them, but Tony, <laughs> and he's in other bands. Have you ever played Yacht Rock? Mm, I'm sure I've I've definitely played some songs in that vein for like I've you know played some like wedding receptions from time to time. So I think uh, I'm trying to think of something that I would have played that would uh, fit into there. But yeah, I feel like that's those are some of those songs are definitely Muskrat Love. No. <laughs> hmm. Maybe it's maybe you need to do that right when we end. Huh? Maybe you need to go play Muskrat Love oh, right when okay. we end. Yes, I'll get. I'll Listen, that. this has been more delightful than I can even put into words. This has been so much fun. You have to come back. You guys, if you really fun. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps with the show so much. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Make glowing posts about us on social media. Click five stars. Do all the things. Uh I know you're already watching on youtube.com slash Allison Rosen as well. If you want to see our faces, I'm on Patreon. I mentioned that I'm also on cameo and uh, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen and uh, follow the show's Twitter feed at ARI YNBF. Stephanie plug all your yes. things and let, the, let everyone know where they can find you. Well, please listen to my show board AF. Cause it's kind of new. It's fairly new. It's only a year old. It's with my friend Cecily Nobler and she's so funny and so talented. She's like a radio person. And, um, also for crying out loud, I think a lot of you guys know me from that already. And Rose Pricks is my show and you can follow me on Twitter at S Wilder Taylor. Same for Instagram. I don't really tweet a lot. But sometimes I get in Twitter fights with people. So that could be fun to watch. Something to come watch. (laughs) Tony, what about you? I'm at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, My podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. And uh, this coming Thursday, I'm doing and playing drums with Don't Stop or Will Die for a live stream on Twitch. So twitch.tv slash Don't Stop or Will Die, April 8th. I'm not positive of the time, so... 
look at the uh, aforementioned. So social just media log in right now and sit there until, just wait. <laughs> until Thursday. <Yep. laughs> um, Stephanie, thank you again. Yeah. This was so nice. Thank you. So fun. I'm really glad we got to. I felt like we were just like hanging out, having lunch. Me too. Listeners. Yeah, thank you, Tony. I hope you felt thank the you. same way. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosen is your new best friend.